Radio Theater is on the air. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, buckaroos and buckarets gathered here in the beautiful Emory Theater in Cincinnati, Ohio, or around your radio. A tip of the 10-gallon hat to you, and to you, Texas Big Bender, the voice that sold a million baby chicks over border radio, and welcome to our show. We're just awash in royalty tonight, and starting to my left, that's your right, on your Zenith Hertz Heaven receiver, the king of the cowboy comedians, Too Slim! Thanks, folks. Thank you. Thanks so much. How you like my How you like my new crown, Ranger Doug? Well, it's beautiful, too, Slim. It's the finest lampshade I've seen today. Yes, thanks. It's a little loose. You're telling me. Speaking of a little loose, here's another king. This one reigns over the cowboy fiddlers. He's Woody Paul. Thank you, Slim. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Keep your seats. Keep your seats, please. No need to get up. <laughs> please. Uh, and sure, being a king is great, but if I ever grow up, I want to be the guy in the middle. The I Love American Youth Ranger Doug. Thank you so much. And of course, our orchestra under the direction of Joey the Cow Polka King. <laughs> Great, Joey, the, the, from a jack to a king polka. I know you're kind of famous for being able to turn any song into a polka. How about as time goes by? Well, I think just about enough time has gone by, Joey. Thank you very much. Joey, the cow polka king. Thank you. Lovely. Beautiful. It's always exciting to work out a new piece of material out on our ranch, and here's one we've just whipped into shape. It's grain-fed and ready for market, and we call it the Desert Serenade. The moon is high, the fire is low, 
billion stars outshine the embers glow. A lonesome yodel, soft and low, can't chase the memories of long ago. Somewhere she's sleeping on a soft and quilted bed, in a house we might have shared if I had stayed. But I'm sleeping on the cold, hard ground instead. Swapping yodels with the coyotes in a desert serenade. <laughs> of the night and these memories will vanish with the light a cup of coffee and I'll be alright a new horizon waits for me just out of sight somewhere she's sleeping on a soft and quilted bed in a house we might have shared if I had stayed but I'm sleeping on the cold, hard ground instead Swapping yodels with the coyotes in a desert serenade Radio Theater will return just as sure as God made little green apples. But first, this word. Neighbors, does this ever happen to you? You're proudly showing off your home, your condo, or your apartment, and your guest says, Nice spread, partner. Yeah, it looks real nice. Too bad about them chickens, though. What? What's wrong with my chickens? Well, they look so depressed, so downhearted, so dingy. Dingy chickens? Oh, no, I'm so ashamed. What can I do? Well, friend, you've asked the question, and that's the first step on the road to recovery. This is your old partner, Texas Bixbender, saying dingy, depressed poultry is an endangered species list, thanks to my new line of poultry personal care products. Yes, Texas Bixbender's uh, ultra-lay poulet system will revolutionize how you feel about your chickens, and even more important, how your chickens feel about themselves. Just listen to this flock. <laughs> yes, they're enjoying the benefits of my hypoallergenic feather sheen comb gel and the long-awaited beak brightener. These birds were treated to a new look. Lee press on claws in all the hottest L.A. fashion colors. We hinted these hens with my Rhode Island red rinse, sure to beautify any brood and jack up their self-esteem. I wish I could take all the credit for this breakthrough system, neighbors, but I can't. Here's the genius who brought ultra-lay poulet to me, noted French chicken expert Robert Poulet. Fill him in, Bob. The name is Robert. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you said it, partner. Uh, Bob, a partner. My amazing discovery is oil of poulet. I have the combined engineer of rare mineral extracts from high as the Alsace-Lorraine and my secret ingredient. Uh, excuse me, Bob, but around here, we don't keep secrets from our listeners. Yes, Robert. Oh, great. Fine. I'll give it away. Everybody be able to make it. It will wreck everything. The secret ingredient, crazy water crystals. Are you happy? Secure crazy water announcer. You well, you it. can't argue with that, friends. I feel sure that nobody listening to my voice right now is crazy. And you'd have to be crazy not to pick up the phone and call 1-900-POULET to order your first shipment of my Ultralay Poulet Poultry Personal Care System. Only $9.99 gets the egg rolling, partners. And that's cheap, 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 cheap. It's a magical blend of French genius and Texas grit. And you need it now. And now we return to the glory of Riders Radio Theater. Thank you, Texas Rich Denver. Well, every trail drive needs extra hands now and then to help with the chores. And too slim, who have you hired on this week? Well, we have a cowboy poet, Ranger Doug. Folks, we met this fella out at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada. He's appeared at poetry conclaves all over the West, and he's published in a, in a passel of anthologies as well as his own books. You may have caught him on The Tonight Show. All this, and he's a working cowboy, too. He's not afraid to get in there and root. Please help us welcome Waddy Mitchell. Howdy, boy. Hey, Waddy. Glad to be here. Thank you. How you doing, partner? I'm doing good, partner. Well, do us a funny poem here. What do you say? Well, you know, writers, it said every story has a hero or at least one character that's main, but to call Larry anything less than grotesque is bordering on the insane. In a tavern booth in the days of my youth, we sat wasting away precious time, and one day what ensued, though you may think it crude, is the plot for this story in rhyme. You see, Larry liked to bet, and he yelled where he sat in a voice that was screechy and high, Hey, barkeep, I will bet a $10 bill I can bite my own right eye. Now, this keep overgrown for being congenial weren't known, and his conversation often lacked grace, and all the hours therein that I'd spent in that den, we never once saw a smile on his face. He glared at our friend with an evil-like grin. I sure didn't think he'd buy it, but he reached in the till, pulled out a bill, said, I'd like to see you try it. Well, Larry popped out his glass eye, bit it not hard, then returned that thing to its socket. Then he picked up his winning all the time while he grinned and stuck it in his pocket. The tender's face, it turned red. Some cuss words was said. Torn hard seeing he wasn't too tickled. Larry saw the despise in them bloodshot eyes and... Grin that grinny grins when he's pickled. You're a strange sort of bloke. Most folks laugh at that joke, but you didn't, Larry said with a sigh. But I'm of sporting men, so I'll bet one more ten I can bite my own left eye. And you couldn't be blind. I myself seen you find your way through tables and route to the john. You're trying to bluff. Think I've not guts enough. Well, I'm calling your hand, kid. You're on. Now, Larry weren't blind. That was easy to see. The keep thought he'd found his reprieve, so he laid down a tin spot and folded his arms, but Larry had a trick up his sleeve. You see, Larry'd been kicked in the mouth as a kid by a horse he was trying to bite, and what few teeth were left after this episode some years later was lost in a fight. This time, he didn't pop out any glass peeper, though he acted like he'd give it a try, but with the toothless grin of a man richer by ten, he used his false teeth to bite his left eye. <laughs> well, the bartender blew. He cussed Larry clean through, said, take the money and get out of this place. I've been swindled today. You've got most of my pay. You best leave while you still got a face. 
I assure you, sir, it was all done in jest. I didn't mean to make you upset. I'll give you a go to win back your dough if you'd just care to make one more bet. Now, if you'll go down far to the end of the bar and place their shock glass upright, I'll make a bet you won't regret. Most likely, you'll be richer tonight. But I'll bet the 20 you had, then 10 more I'll add, that I'll fill up that shock glass so far with nothing more than the juice from my lip full of snooze and not get one drop on your bar. Well, the bartender knew it was at least 20 foot along that bar made of inlaid hardwood, and although he'd known men who were good with their aim, no one was known to be that good. So he took up the bet. He laid down his dough. That shot glass was placed quick and neat. Larry stepped up spry, let tobacco juice fly. Not a drop came within seven feet. Larry was beat. Revenge was sweet. The keep was laughing. I knew it. The target was too far. He walked up with a grin, pocketed his wind, grabbed a rag, and started cleaning that bar. Hey, what's with your grin? You're now into me, Tin, he said, wiping the bar all the while. Well, I fit my friends where they are that I could spit on your bar and you'd wipe it up with a smile. Yes, sir, Waddy Mitchell. That's great. I tell you what, it's great to have you on the show, Waddy. You know, your poetry really has the creak of saddle leather in it. Sounds like the real stuff to me. Well, thanks to Slim. I guess that comes from, you know, living out in the wide open spaces like I do. I know what you mean, Waddy. That's where I get inspired to write my Western music and songs and, well, just out there close to nature. You know, when I'm writing, I'll just sometimes saddle up and take out for who knows where. Just set up a camp and get away from it all. That's kind of hard to do these days, ain't it, Waddy? Oh, yeah. You know, there's crazy folks everywhere you go. Not too long ago, I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I thought I heard yodeling. No. I mean, it was really strange. Somebody just yodeling, you know, to the sky and the varmints. I guess it takes all kinds, don't it? <laughs> I guess it does. Anyway, <laughs> good luck to you, Waddy. Thanks for coming all the way from Jigs, Nevada, to be on Riders Radio Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, Waddy Mitchell. Riders Radio Theater is a Mammoth Radio Pictures production in association with WVXU. This program is being taped live at the Emory Theater in the Queen City of the West, Cincinnati, Ohio. Stay with us, Saddle Pals. We'll be right back. Here's a little of the old cowboy favorite, Man on the Flying Trapeze. Buckaroos and Buckarets, you're listening to Riders Radio Theater. Uh, 
And now Riders Radio Theater presents the ongoing saga of the Cowboy Way. Tonight, episode 13, the concluding chapter of the exciting Western melodrama, Return of the Phantom. As faithful listeners will no doubt recall, when last we left our story at the train trestle over the gorgeous gorge of the dried up tumbleweed river, the toxic waste was about to hit the fan. Two slim Woody Paul inside meter on one side of the trestle. On the other side are the Phantom of the Valley, actually Ranger Duck suffering from amnesia, and Miss Marm along with a derailed circus train full of caged wild animals. In the dry riverbed below are the villains Slocum and Charlie. Approaching the trestle at full speed is a freight train carrying one million tons of liquid toxic waste. What makes this so frightening is that earlier, as part of a failed attempt to trap the Phantom of the Valley, Slocum and Charlie had sawed every beam and brace on the trestle to within one centimeter of breaking through. Now, the addition of no more than the weight of a skinny butterfly will bring the whole thing crashing down and spill a million tons of liquid toxic waste into the dry riverbed below. The resulting flash flood of toxic waste could make the entire valley uninhabitable for the next millennia. And now episode 13 entitled, Toxic Death Crash. As the death train barrels closer and closer toward the quivering trestle, the riders, minus Ranger Doug, watch helplessly from the far side of the gorge. Woody, we've got to figure out some way to get over there and help the Phantom stop that train. You're right, Slim. I've been doing some figuring on that. And according to my calculations, if he has 100 yards to build his momentum up, Amazing Turbo can leap this gorge, carrying all three of us on his back. Great idea, Woody. Oh, if it works, I'll I'll get Turbo. Quickly, Woody rounds up Turbo and prepares to put his daring plan to the test. Meanwhile, in the dry riverbed below, two cornered rats are desperately trying to escape their fate. Charlie, we gotta get out of here. How are we gonna do that, Slocum? It's 500 feet straight up a rock wall to the top of this gorge. We'll never make it in time. Yeah, we gotta try to outrun it. Maybe we can find an easier way out downstream. Come on! Let's go. Nearer and nearer comes the steel wheel toxic terror, a fact that is not lost on Miss Marm in the Phantom of the Valley. What can we do? There's no way to save the train, but I could ride out and warn the crew to jump off. If only I had El Turbo here. Your wish may be granted, Phantom, for at this moment on the opposite side of the gorge, the mighty horse with your three stalwart companions astride his back is galloping towards the edge of the gorge. On Turbo! On, turbo. on mighty Turbo! To leap this yawning chasm would be an impossible feat for the average horse, but not for Amazing Turbo, the only horse in the world with afterburners. <laughs> and only scant seconds later, he safely lands and tops up to the waiting Phantom. Fantastico! Quick, amigos! Dismount and let me in the saddle. I must try to warn the train crew about the trestle. Oh, go, Phantom, go! (laughs) Back once again, amazing turbos, afterburners kick in, and in no time, horse and rider are racing alongside the speeding train. Crouching up, the Phantom leaps from his saddle and lands like a panther in the engine cab, much to the dismay of the engineer and his fireman. Don't hurt us, masked man! Don't hurt us! Ask questions and do as I say. Are there any passengers on this train? Nope. All the toxic shipments carry only a skeleton crew, fireman and engineer. And that's us. Good. No, jump off. What? Jump off? We're, we're going about near 60 miles an hour yeah. here. Do not fear. El Turbo will catch you. El who? My friend, I have no time to explain. Jump, or I'll throw you myself. Okay, okay, I'm going. I'm me going. too. Bueno, now me also three. Turbo aquí. Ay. Will this horse's wonders never cease? All three land safely on his galloping back and are carried away to safety, and not a moment too soon either. A split second later, the train reaches the trestle, and with a thunderous roar, train and trestle go crashing down 500 feet to the dry riverbed below. 
And on impact, 100 tanker cars crack open like rotten eggs and spill over 1 million tons of toxic waste into the dried up riverbed. This unprecedented ecological disaster is only one bright side. The first victims are a pair of two-legged snakes slithering down the no longer dry riverbed. Run, Charlie, run, run. Hey, come on. See you oh, in the oh, afterlife. Oh, don't wear your long johns. Oh, 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 well, that's that. Meanwhile, back to Woody. Holy smokes. That's toxic waste pouring out of those tankers. It'll flood the valley and destroy Tumbleweed City. Somehow we must dam it up before it gets there. Well, the best place is 200 yards downstream at the Marleybone Narrows. There's a soft cliff overhang there. If we could somehow dislodge it, it would create a natural earthen dam. Phantom, you've got a yodel. Yodel. I cannot yodel. Oh, yes, you can. You're really Ranger Doug, Phantom, the greatest yodeler in the world. Ranger who? Never mind, just try to yodel. Please try. For you, Miss Marm, I would try to jump to the moon. Ah, here goes. Holy, 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 you the holy, holy. Keep trying, Phantom. There's hidden powers even in a weak yodel like that. Number three, we better cover our ears and turbos too. Good idea, Slim. Gosh, I feel the ground shaking. It must be working. You couldn't be more right, Woody Paul. For 200 yards downstream at the Marleybone Narrows, the earth is moving as 10,000 tons of rock and dirt collapse into the dry tumbleweed riverbed and form a natural earthen dam. Seconds later, a million tons of liquid toxic waste pour around the bend and splash harmlessly again. Wow, that was some yodel, Phantom. Oh, thanks, Slim, but. Why in the world did you call me Phantom? Well, because that's who... Ranger, Ranger Doug, Doug, you're, you're back. back! Back from where? <laughs> what do you mean? 13 episodes later. Yeah. Your yolo must have cured you. Well, cured me of what? Boy, we got a tale to tell you. Yeah. I'll visit the campfire and rustle up some coffee, and then we'll fill you in. You better go ahead and sit down there. I'd like to, but I can't. These caballero pants I'm wearing are too tight. We're sure glad to have you back, Ranger Doug. Well, thanks, Miss Marm. I, I gather I haven't been quite myself. Well, I'll say you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. And like I said, it's good to have you back. But I think part of me is going to miss the Phantom. Gosh, what part, Miss Marm? <laughs> uh, I'd it's the part that laid that smoocheroo on her about a dozen episodes back. <laughs> oh, side. You mean to say it? I kissed you, Miss Marm? Uh, yes. Then I think I may miss being this Phantom as well. Eh, run around them tight caballero pants that made you mush brain. <laughs> Help me get this fire going here. Come on. And so as the purple shades of twilight fall across the west, once again there's peace in the valley. Of course, there are still a few un unanswered questions, and that's what the epilogue is for, and here it is. Faithful listeners keeping track of the plot should pull out your flow charts. Okay, here we go. To begin with, that 
What will become of the million tons of liquid toxic waste? Well, I'm sure you've heard of the government Superfund for these matters. Yeah, oh, right, sure. sure. Yeah. Well, that was Woody Paul's reaction as well. That's why he didn't bother to ask. And three days later, working with several local scout troops, he devised and built a system of tunnels that drain the waste into an old lead mine, which he then capped with a big plug-aside meats biscuit dough. The hardest substance known to man. Utilizing the voluntary, voluntary labors of the same scout troops, he then corrected the flow of the Tumbleweed River, and soon the valley was restored to all its former verdant glory. That takes care of everything except the minor matter of Ranger Duck's false felony convictions and the lands, including the famed old Triple X Ranch, that were lost to Slocum in several various swindles. These wrongs are about to be righted as we back up to where the purple shades of twilight were falling across the valley, and now a mysterious cowboy is paying a visit to the Tumbleweed County Jail. Yo, anybody here? Booker. Is that you, Sheriff? That's me, all right. You sure? Of course I'm sure. What are you doing all locked up in a cell? Well, I, uh, uh, I, uh... And how come you're dressed in them old clothes and the pillow's stuffed in your shirt? What's that all about? Well, the shirt's too big for me. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, buddy, if you don't believe me, Turn around and look behind you. There's a picture of me on that far wall there. I'm wearing my rhinestone Elvis jumpsuit. Pinned on my chest, there's my sheriff badge. Can't you see it? Oh, yeah. That makes you the sheriff I've heard about, all right. <laughs> You're darn right it does. Now, what's your business? Well, I come to offer some new evidence on the Ranger Doug case. Well, new evidence? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. That case is closed. He had an alibi. Uh, he, he didn't have no witnesses to back him up. He didn't have one. Well, he does now. Who? Well, me. You see, I was passing through the Tumbleweed Valley at the time, and I stopped for the night and was set up camp in the Larkspur Canyon. You did? Yeah, but I didn't stay too long. Well, why not? Well, as I was trying to work on this poem, I kept hearing all this yodeling. You know, how a yodel will just ring and echo around the canyon? Well, I, I sure do. Well, anyway... When I saw it was Ranger Doug, I knew he could go on forever, so I packed up and moved my camp to Yucca Valley. What time did you last see him out there? Well, I looked at my pocket watch as I was leaving, and it was about 10.30, and Ranger Doug was still yodeling. 10.30? That's the same time the town was being yahooed. It couldn't have been Ranger Doug. I knowed it all time, and he is innocent. Say, how come you're just now coming forth with this testimony? Well, I didn't know anything about it till I saw it on that Unsolved Mysteries. Well, speaking of unsolved mysteries, you don't happen to have a can of Spam on you, do you? Well, matter of fact, I do in my saddlebags, but if you're hungry, you know, I could go cook up a mess of... Well, I, I don't want to eat it. I just want the key off of it. See, I can modify it and fit this door here. Then I can get out of here, and we can go see Judge Basil and get Ranger Doug a new trial. Well, good. I'll go get the Spam right now, well, then. Well, hurry up. Well, there you have it. Ranger Doug was immediately granted a new trial at which he was found innocent of all charges. A new investigation led to the discovery in the offices of the ARID Land Development Company of a Ranger Doug mask with Charlie's fingerprints all over it, as well as documentation that Slocum had swindled several ranchers out of their land. Warrants were then taken out for both Slocum and Charlie, but since they both mysteriously disappeared, neither has as yet been served. All the swindled ranches, including the famed old Triple X, were of course restored to their rightful owners. On top of this, all the swindled ranchers were big winners in the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes, which allowed them all to restore their spreads to their former glory. And that's the conclusion of the exciting Western melodrama, Return of the Phantom. This is the VXU Radio Network.